up towards the sky. Course of human history has changed today. We're coming to you from the entrance of District 9, set up to separate aliens from the general population. All eyes are pointing up towards the sky. Course of human history has changed today. We're coming to you from the entrance of District 9, set up to separate aliens from the general population. They told me I was going to get a vest. Don't worry about the vest, it'll be fine. Hey, menu agents, open the door, please. Oh my god. There's a lot of secrets in District 9. District 9. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of secrets in District 9. This is Rico, and you're listening to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, the weekly show about Star Trek, sci-fi, TV, movies, and all kinds of cool, geeky entertainment and news and information. Uh, this is podcast 240. It is August uh, 16th, 2009. Gosh, it's the middle of August. Uh, a couple of weeks, everyone will be heading back to school for people uh, that are in that uh, part of their life. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I guess it's obvious, but... Anyway, today on the podcast, what we're going to be doing is something a little different, uh, kind of a little more relaxed maybe uh, for me and, and maybe hopefully uh, kind of just a little more fun to a degree, uh, although I think they're always fun, right? We're going to be talking about music. I'm going to be sticking mostly to music from sci-fi and fantasy movies primarily, maybe a few TV things thrown in too, but mostly movie music and, and staying away from the biggie. Uh, the biggies that I talk about typically like Trek and Star Wars, but other, you know, movies of the past, you know, 10, 20, 30, who knows. Uh, I've got a stack of CDs here of soundtracks and things that I enjoy, and I want to play a few selections for you. Maybe some things you, you don't have in your collection, maybe something you'd like to get, uh, and just talk about the individual uh, composers a little bit, the movies, and so forth. So that's on today's podcast Coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. Now establishing data link. Hey everybody, I'm DJ Silver Fox. And I'm DJ Big L from RadioGalactica.net. And you're listening to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with Rico Dusty. Thanks for doing that for me, guys. Those are uh, that's Silver Fox and Big L from RadioGalactica.net. Uh, it's an internet uh, radio station type show where they play all kinds of cool music and podcasts. They actually play Treks in Sci-Fi uh, each week. I think the new episodes. Uh, I'm looking at their schedule here. Yeah, the new Treks in Sci-Fi. You can listen over the internet to them. On Tuesday evenings uh, at 7, and again, it's repeated about 8 o'clock, although those times vary a little because I'm usually longer than an hour show for them. Uh, so anyway, uh, RadioGalactica.net, and then they also show or play, excuse me, not show, but play 
uh, rerun-type Treks and Sci-Fi episodes on Thursday evenings. Those are, I think, Eastern Standard Times or Eastern Daylight Times, whatever the time frame is right now. Uh, but check them out over at radiogalactica.net. Well, uh, I, I'm sorry. I apologize right now I, I, if I sound maybe a little nasally uh, on this week's show. For some reason, I, I think it's because we have our air conditioning on the last day or so. Got a little warmer here, uh, but uh, I don't feel bad. It's just I feel a little uh, kind of congested, a little stuffed up today. I don't think it's going to sound all that bad on the podcast, but uh, if I sound a little different, that's why. It's nothing else than that. And uh, uh, again, uh, today we're going to be doing about uh, talking about music, soundtrack music, mostly from films, sci-fi, fantasy films. Uh, but first, uh, let me just fill you in on some things uh, that I've been up to. Uh, I did go see that movie District 9, went and saw it yesterday with my friend Mark, and it was pretty cool. It's it's very intense. You know, you might be able to pick that up in the previews. It's a, it's rated R. This is not a movie for little kids at all. I'd say, you know, into the teenage years, that would be good. I wouldn't take anyone, at least uh, being a parent, I don't think little kids would enjoy it at all. Somebody that's around 12, 13 and up, I think it'd be okay. So there's Rico's uh, <laughs> recommendation uh, to parents out there. But uh, beyond that, again, it's it's a rated R movie. There's there's a lot of intense things going on in it. I don't think I'm giving anything away, but there's some, some pretty nasty things that go on in this movie. I'm not going to give away spoilers. This did just come out a couple of days ago. It uh, was produced by Peter Jackson, uh, and uh, I, I forget the director's name. He's relatively new, uh, B- Blokamp or something like that. Is I'm not sure how you say his last name. But you won't see anyone in this movie that you really recognize. This was done for a fairly low budget, I think about $30 million. And it's been kept kind of, you know, low-key, the advertising. It's been building up in the last couple of weeks. But they tried uh, a different kind of marketing campaign with this movie. Uh, they they had posters up in cities with these sort of like alien uh, do not, you know, trespass signs. I don't know what you call it. It kind of looked like, an, you know, the aliens in the movie with a big one of those red circles with a line through it. And uh, which has been going on for a long time, the, this sort of viral marketing campaign. Anyway, let me get to the movie more. This is basically the the premises. And again, I don't think I'm giving anything away. You kind of see it in the uh in the previews, uh, there, there's this alien ship, uh, a huge alien ship that that ends up on uh, hovering kind of above Earth, actually hovering above uh, South Africa, and uh, they're kind of trapped here. This group of aliens who look very insectoid-like, uh, reptilian. Well, not reptilian. What am I saying? <laughs> uh, go back to biology, Rico. Anyway, uh, they look very uh, insect-like, kind of like almost. Uh, I don't know, the the head of a praying mantis kind of looked to them a little. The aliens and the effects and all of that stuff in this movie are just done amazingly. I mean, for a budget of only $30 million, uh, there are some shots in this movie that you'll just be amazed at. It's so all seamless and the way the aliens interact with everyone and, and all that and uh, and move. and it, It's just extremely well done, the, all that. And the story is... It, it, it's it could have been almost like a Star Trek movie or episode in a way because there's a lot of morality and uh, just undertones of uh, related to things that have happened on Earth, but sort of in this alien setting. 
these the the name District Nine is basically these aliens are kind of marooned and trapped on Earth, and they are then kind of screened off in this area called District Nine, and held there uh, almost uh, you know it, it's almost like a prison camp for them. And again, I, I don't think I hope I'm give, not giving anything away, but it, it's you don't walk out of this movie you know like you know you just saw a comedy or anything like that. It, it's you know, make sure you understand this is a very serious sci-fi film. Very good. I, I, you know, I, I was very impressed by it. And it would be nice to have more of this kind of a movie. Uh, not exactly like this, I mean, but just something that gets you thinking about some things. And I, I was very impressed by it. I, I hope it gets a lot of uh, people watching. I think the reviews have been very good. And, and I highly recommend this movie to uh, the sci-fi fans out there. If you want to see something that uh, will... Uh, both impressed your eye, impress your eyes, and and sort of, you know, get into your your head a little bit. And even you know, to me, a day later now, I'm still thinking about some of the stuff that went on in this. So, uh, very good movie, highly recommended. Go see it in the theater. There's some pretty cool visuals, very much worth seeing out in the theater. So, District Nine, go see it. What's going on with the latest Star Trek movie? Let's find out. Wait, there we go. All right, on the Star Trek front, uh, we'll go briefly uh, just talk. I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, other things this week. I'm going to try to get right into the music because we got a lot to cover there. Uh, a few things, though. They, they still haven't said a whole lot about the next films uh, at all. They're still talking about possibly having them linked in some fashion, although the idea of filming them uh, two movies back to back is probably not going to happen. They've kind of uh, said that probably wouldn't work out. So, uh, uh, but nothing really detailed about the story. I think it's still going to be a little while uh, on that. They're just getting into it right now. There wasn't really a lot of new info on it that came out of last week's convention in Vegas. So. Uh, but there is, you know, other Trek things going on. Uh, of course, we've got uh, Blu-ray releases and DVD releases, uh, or both of the movie coming in November. Uh, the next few, um, a couple seasons of the original series on Blu-ray. Other films in this series, the Next Generation ones, will be coming out as well. So things to, going on. I think the uh, Hallmark ornaments for Christmas uh, are out there. Also, there's a cool uh, contest going on uh, with uh, the Star Trek, official Star Trek magazine. Uh, I'll try to link this in the podcast notes this week. Uh, this uh, can be found over at titanmagazines.com, uh, and they've got a lot of prizes they're giving away. They've got a contest going and Star Trek stuff, all kinds of things, from posters to props, uh, action figures, and so forth. Uh, so cool things happening. Uh, on the Star Trek front, the one thing I wanted to really mention was I went uh, with my friend Mark to uh, the Star Trek exhibition uh, exhibit uh, over in, uh, well, down in from me, Detroit, at the Detroit Science Center a few days back. Yeah, we finally, uh, or I finally got to that. It's been here since February, I believe, and it's going to be gone in the early part of September. I think after the first week or so of September, it's, it's moving to a new place. This, again, is the Star Trek exhibition that started way back in California. I guess it's been a couple of years, I think, now, maybe, when it first started. It was originally one big exhibit. Uh, They had, uh, you know, they have sets, props, costumes, a lot of video screens, and it included a 
an original, or not original, what am I saying? The original series bridge, not the actual original one, but a replica of it. A set piece, you know, one-to-one scale approximately of the original um, TOS bridge. Also had a next-generation bridge, transporter rooms, uh, Picard's quarters, some other areas. Uh, But what they did after the initial uh, uh, exhibit was over was they split it kind of in two. And the part that we got here in Detroit included the original series bridge, uh, a transporter room, Picard's uh, quarters, uh, and a few other areas. The Guardian of Forever was here. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Some, you know, models for uh, props and things. And we went to it anyway, like I said, a few days ago. It was pretty good. The, the biggest thing that I, I'm kind of uh, annoyed and a little disappointed at is the fact that they don't let you take your own photos there they, you know, they, they give you this line that it has to do with licensing and Paramount and all this garbage, but that doesn't really fly with me for a few reasons. First, first reason is, the biggest reason really being, this stuff has been photographed, you know, already. It, when it was originally out, the or the original exhibition in California, when it was there, they let everyone take video, they take photographs, whatever they wanted to do. So don't give me that kind of junk now. Um, about not having photographs. The, I'll tell you what the biggest reason is. It costs $18 to get in. Then if you wanted uh, your picture taken, which I did get a couple of pictures, and you can see them at the Star Trek Daily Pick. I put one of myself on the original series bridge up there the other day. They're also, uh, I posted them up in the forum. I'll put them on my Flickr page pretty soon. Uh, but they, they charge you, if you want your picture taken, like 20 bucks. Each additional picture is like 6 or $7.00 something like that. So the the real reason they don't want you taking pictures is they want to make more money off of you. And so, you know, you can go in here, 18 bucks to get in, get a couple pictures taken, and easily spend, you know, 50, 60 bucks or something. On a fairly small exhibit, I have to say, you know, a lot of the props are even things from Master Replicas. Uh, they don't have a lot of the models. Some of them are just, uh, you know, model kits that people put together and painted uh, silver in one display. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I have to say, as a big fan, I was a little disappointed. I mean, the saving grace was being able to sit on that original uh, bridge set and kind of look out at the view screen and kind of just have a slight feeling of what it would have been like, uh, you know, on the on that set back in the 60s and, and, and everything was kind of a thrill. So that made it worth it for me. I'm not sure your average person would really get a, a lot out of this. And uh, the fact that you can't take your own photos. When we went, since the exhibit's been here a while, there weren't a lot of people there. I mean, we wouldn't have really been causing any commotion to snap off a few pictures if we wanted to. So that uh, it just makes me a little upset at that. I, I don't really... You know, you pay to get into these places. It's like paying you to get into an amusement park. Do they say, well, yeah, if you want to get your picture taken with Mickey Mouse or something like that, I guess it costs you. But if you're just taking pictures around the park, they don't charge, you know, they don't say, no, you can't do that. I, I, I just, it just, uh, I don't know, really sticks into my craw, claw. <laughs> I don't know what, caw? No, that's not craw. It sounds like get smart here. Uh, craw? Craw smart? Anyway, uh, but it is fun to see. It's you know, it, it's neat to see and in, in the and be on these sets. You couldn't go into the Picard quarters area, which I I, I was a little disappointed about. Uh, that uh, would have been kind of cool. The Guardian set was kind of neat with the Guardian of Forever. Um, 
but they do a good job. I, I wish also the exhibit had been kept intact that you would have had. I think I would have felt a little bit better about it. It wouldn't have felt it was so small if they kept it all together. You know, we saw we would have been able to see the uh, TNG bridge and all of that too. Uh, long story short, I'm glad that I went. Again, I think for the average person, I don't think it would be that great to see. Uh, For a Star Trek fan and people like me, yeah, I I definitely think so. It's still worth going to even in this sort of um, half state that they've uh, shipped it off in. I'm not sure where it's headed next. Uh, Check. I think there's a... The website, I'll try to link this in the podcast notes. I think it's Star Trek, just Star Trek Exhibition.com. You can find out more information, see photos there uh, and everything about the exhibit and uh, give it a shot sometime. Hi, this is Rick Moyer. Moyer777 on the forums. I love Treks and Sci-Fi. Rico, you rock. And you know, you inspired me to do my own podcast. And so I have. Every week, I've started putting out a podcast called Take Him With You. And it's all about my life and the world around me. You might find it interesting. I guarantee you, you'll smile by the end of the podcast. And in a world that is kind of depressing lately, I think it's great to be encouraged every week. So would you try it out? Come take a listen. It's at www.takehimwithyou.com. It's called Take Him With You, the weekly podcast that's spiritual, not religious. Yeah, definitely visit uh, Rick's uh, website and podcast, takehimwithyou.com, uh, and uh, he just does a great job and uh, very uh, fun listen and inspiring as well. So give that a shot uh, when you can. Uh, a couple last things to mention here, uh, a few other sites that I have going that uh, you may not know of, and also please send in comments, anything you'd like to talk about on Treks and Sci-Fi, comments about episodes Movies you've seen, books you've read, uh, TV shows you've enjoyed, those can all go to treksf at gmail.com. Other websites that I have going, uh, my comic uh, about my, you know, sort of alter ego searching for a job in a fantasy setting, jobforahero.com. Check that out. Also, um, I have that other site uh, with some old sci-fi streaming shows you can watch over at geekplay.tv. Uh, and just all kinds of things. Everything you can are links and uh, connections at treksinsci-fi.com. Join the forums, uh, and you can make donations there, whatever you'd like. Uh, visit the uh, daily pick sites with the daily uh, Trek pick or the daily uh, babe or hunk pick. Uh, whatever you'd like to visit, all can be uh, found via treksinsci-fi.com. Uh, that's about it, I think, as far as news announcements and other things. I'll have more at the end of the show about upcoming podcasts next week's. Uh, uh, we're going to do a Skype call. I'll give details at the end of this week's show after we talk about uh, music from sci-fi and fantasy.
That uh, piece of music there is uh, by uh, James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer. That is uh, a piece of music called Introduce a Little Anarchy, and it's from last year's uh, amazing movie, The Dark Knight, uh, the Batman uh, movie from last summer in 2008. And uh, those guys also worked on the music to uh, Batman Begins as well. Uh, just uh, um, great movies, uh, excellent music, excellent scores. Uh, I had a little trouble deciding how to organize uh, today's podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of go maybe backwards chronologically, if that makes sense, to a degree. But I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit. This is going to be a, uh, not uh, in any kind of theme or organization, really, per se. But we'll try to kind of go backwards slightly in time as we go through different soundtracks. And this is just kind of a grab bag sampling of things that I enjoy outside of Trek and Star Wars stuff, which is also a big part of my collection of music and soundtracks and CDs and things that I have. I have a ton of both Star Wars and Trek stuff, of course. Or Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, give you some uh, taste of some other things that I enjoy. And I've always been a big fan of... Uh, movie music, movie soundtracks, even um, music for television shows as well. But we're going to stick to the movies more, I think, today on the show. I've always, uh, music has always been something that is kind of inspiring to me and uh, always enjoy listening to it, listening in the car, driving around, uh, whatever, doing exercises. And, and it just, you know, anytime I'm even like painting a room of my house, I've always got to have a radio going or have some music on. So I'm a big fan of music, big fan of movie music and soundtracks. And I think some of the best ones to me really, uh, I think they add so much to the to the experience of seeing the film that I, I can't think of any movies that I've have been in, you know, my my favorite lists or movies that I've really enjoyed that haven't had a very distinctive sound. And, and sometimes it's, you know, uh, or orchestral and sometimes it's it's just music that they've picked you know the, that are songs that that fit the mood of the movie there's a little bit of that too uh, especially i think modern movies do that a little bit more than movies of the past you know where they just had a distinctive soundtrack and sometimes they'd slip a song or two in but it was it wasn't like it is now sometimes movies are almost just composed entirely of uh you know different uh, songs that they slip into the movie, sometimes different uh, versions of them to a degree. But you know what I'm talking about. And uh, we'll mix that in a little bit. This is going to be mostly just strictly, uh, or not strictly, but mostly soundtrack-style music. In other words, things you hear in the background, not necessarily vocal-type songs that they slip into that into a particular movie, although we might play a couple of those as well. So uh, let's play another.
That uh, music, which I, I figure a lot of you will recognize, is by David Newman. That is from the soundtrack to the excellent movie from 2005, Serenity, which was, of course, based on Joss Whedon's excellent uh, show on Fox called Firefly, which i got to do a little small tangent here right now. Uh, for those fans of Dollhouse, and even if you're not... Uh, you really need to uh, get the DVD, rent it, buy it, or whatever, and see the final uh, sort of 13th lost episode of the Dollhouse season. I forget what the name of the actual episode is, but it's on the DVD set that's out now for Dollhouse. And this mo- th- that episode is like unlike anything else in the series for Dollhouse. It also sets up a lot of things for, I think, the future of the show, which is coming back for a second season. Uh, but it's excellent. Felicia Day is in it, has a big role in that episode, and it, it, it's outstanding. I think you can get it on iTunes now, so uh, check it out. And that's my little sidetracked uh, Joss Whedon uh, story. But anyway, David Newman uh, worked on Serenity. He's done a lot of movie. He's an American composer. He's done a lot of movie music. He actually worked on Galaxy Quest as well. Uh, Nutty Professor movies, Dr. Doolittle, Ice Age, Scooby-Doo, Daddy Daycare, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, a whole wide variety of things. But I I really like uh, what he did with the soundtrack to Serenity. I'm a huge fan of both Firefly and Serenity. Uh, I just love that whole universe that Joss created. I'd love to see another film sometime. And David Newman is is excellent. Uh, did a great job with the music for the movie. recognize that one it has a very similar sound to some of the things of you know even the few things i've already played that is from uh, the pirates of the caribbean movie the first one the curse of the black pearl this is uh primarily uh, from a german composer his name is klaus badelt b-a-d-e-l-t badelt badelt i don't know i'm sorry klaus Anyway, he was, uh, he's from Frankfurt, Germany. He's a composer, uh, obviously. He's done uh, quite a few uh, really cool movies, especially in the, the sci-fi kind of realm or adventure kind of things. He did uh, Constantine, uh, the Miami Vice movie. Uh, what else? Uh, Time Machine, the newer remake one, K-19, The Widowmaker. 
Extreme Days, Catwoman, Thunderbirds, uh, Rescue Dawn, uh, Poseidon, lots of uh, pretty major motion pictures. So, and he also this uh, soundtrack though was also uh, composed with uh, the assistance of Hans Zimmer, also which uh, you know we heard him earlier with the Dark Knight soundtrack. So Hans gets around. He's been around a long time, I believe. I mean, I think he's the same guy that originally worked way back on the uh, uh, Miami Vice uh, soundtrack, I think from the, uh, not this, well, the TV show, I believe. Uh, So he's done some TV music as well in his earlier days, uh, back in, uh, I think, you know, when that was on the air in the 80s and all. So let's move on. probably uh, fairly easy to uh, recognize. Uh, He has sort of a distinctive sound, I believe. That's Danny Elfman doing uh, the music to the... uh, That's from a track from the first Spider-Man movie from uh, back in 2002. He also worked on uh, Spider-Man 2 and 3. You know, Danny Elfman has had a huge, successful career. He's worked on a lot of movies, uh, recent ones, the Men in Black movies, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He works a lot with Tim Burton, just about anything Tim Tim Burton uh, does, he works on. Uh, He's also done, of course, things for television like The Simpsons. He did uh, worked on the first Batman movie. Uh, Danny Elfman, again, great composer, worked on Hellboy, Wanted, Uh, Charlotte's Web, uh, a lot of kids' movies, Meet the Robinsons, things like that, Uh, Mars Attacks. Just He has a huge list of credits, Uh, very successful and uh, a very uh, good composer of both uh, television and a lot of movie music.
That's a fairly quiet track there. That's uh, from Harry Potter, of course, done by John Williams, uh, who has worked on most of the films, it looks like. I'm not an expert on that and don't have all the soundtracks. I know Kenny on uh, Treks and Sci-Fi Forums would be uh, the guy to have on here right now, but he really set the stage for the Harry Potter music. Some of the more recent movies, though, it looks like I'm looking at Amazon.com here, for example, a guy named Nicholas Hooper worked on Order of the Phoenix, uh, Goblet of Fire, Patrick Doyle, uh, even Chamber of Secrets, it looks like somebody named William Ross helped out on. Although I see on John Williams' um, listing that he's going to be working uh, on these on the last couple of movies, The Deathly Hollows, but I think he's had a hand in just about all of them, and he certainly set the stage for and the tone for the kind of music that they move and the, uh, that they use in the Harry Potter films, which I think is excellent. And it's very, you know, kind of magical, obviously. (laughs) What do I mean by that? It it has sort of a lyrical kind of fantasy tone to it that I think really suits the movies, you know, very different from what John Williams did for things like Star Wars. I mean, I've always thought he's one of the composers that really has the ability to to change his sound, I think, to, to a fair degree from project to project. So anyway, John Williams there with uh, Harry Potter. Uh, of course, is uh, one of the tracks. Uh, it's called Concerning Hobbits from the first Lord of the Rings movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, it's by composer Howard Shore. He's a Canadian composer. He's done quite a few uh, film scores. Uh, he's worked on, of course, all the Lord of the Rings films. He worked on Panic Room, The Departed, The Last Mimsy, uh, The Spider, uh, which I don't know if that's been that's come out yet. He worked on uh, High Fidelity, uh, Seven, Crash, The Game, uh, Philadelphia, Mrs. Doubtfire, just a a big list of credits, The Fly, uh, Videodrome back in the early 80s. 
Ed Wood, uh, a lot of movies I've seen, a lot of movies I've enjoyed. Uh, so Howard Shore there, uh, great uh, composer. He won an Oscar, actually, too, for uh, his uh, soundtrack for The Last of the Lord of the Rings, The Last of the Films, uh, Return of the King. So in, in, that was in 2003. Okay, uh, we're going to kind of shift gears here a little bit, and I'm going to take a short break uh, and play a uh, Vartok uh, musical segment here for you in a moment. Uh, That kind of covers some of the more recent soundtracks, uh, some things in my collection that I wanted to play for you. I'm going to go to some more older pieces uh, after this uh, break, where Vartok's going to be covering uh, a slightly different kind of segment. This is from uh, a miniseries. I believe it was first on HBO. He'll tell you more. Anyway, it was called From Earth to the Moon, and the music from that is what he's going to be covering. Coming up now on the podcast. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. everyone, this is Vartok again, with another music and sci-fi segment. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about the Apollo program, using the music in the 1998 12-part HBO miniseries, From the Earth to the Moon. I suspect that some of you thought Vartok would go wild with today's podcast theme of sci-fi music. But how could I possibly not honor the celebration of man's first landing on our moon? To me, I am celebrating science instead of science fiction today, for without science, there could not be science fiction. The first clip you've been listening to is the absolutely beautiful main theme by Michael Kamen to the HBO series, which ran from April through May in 1998. In it, you heard President John F. Kennedy give his famous 1961 challenge to put man on the moon before the decade is out. 
after the United States had only flown one man in space a month earlier. The 2005 5-DVD disc version of the HBO miniseries is beautifully packaged in a fold-out case which comes in a black and silver box with a hologram on the front that toggles between a photo of the Earth to a photo of the Moon and back again. Very clever. The HBO miniseries details the story of the Apollo Moon program from the beginning right up until Gene Cernan's last walk on the Moon in 1975. Given the times of analog versus digital devices and crude by today's standards computers, the story is just that much more amazing. Is it possible even today to say that flying a man to the moon and back is still mankind's greatest feat ever? In the series, all the drama, celebrations, and tragedies are equally covered, and every night I eagerly awaited to absorb the next episode. I truly wonder if today's generation has any clue about the Apollo mission, the young NASA that led it, and the low-paid but truly dedicated men and women who made it happen. For most of human history, a voyage to the moon was the fantasy of the addled brain or foolhardy, for only divine beings supermen could make the journey. But then humans went aloft on mechanical wings, defying gravity and redefining the realm of possibility. And the moon was within the grasp of whoever would build the machine to take them there. The main requirement for making the fantasy a fact, perseverance. The wherewithal to solve the problems one by one over the long course of the endeavor. Problems such as how to make that first exploratory leap into the lifeless void of outer space. For without surviving that, no one would ever dare make the foolhardy yet divine voyage from the Earth to the Moon. The composers for the music include Michael Kamen, Mark Mancina, Mark Ishaw, Mason Daring, Brad Fidel, James Newton Howard, Jeff Beale, and Mark Shaman. I fell in love with the music in this miniseries, which generates emotion as the true human drama unfolds on the screen. Did you know that the program name of Apollo is after the Greek god of light and music? 
darkness and desolation. Isn't that something? Magnificent sight out here. And now for the poser. In the HBO series, on that largest set ever before constructed to simulate the moon, how did they make it look like the astronauts were operating under one-sixth gravity? Stay tuned, and next week I'll be back with the answer in part two to this podcast about the Apollo missions. Well, thanks very much, Vartok, for that excellent segment on From Earth to the Moon, uh, that HBO special that ran uh, that was, I think, executive produced by Tom Hanks. You hear his voice in uh, one of the clips you played, and uh, wonderful music. Uh, I should have to pick that up sometime. It really fits the uh, story very well. So thanks so much for that segment. Uh, Next up, I I have... uh, some of this next music I'm going to be playing is more uh, a song-oriented. Like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, some movies tend to use uh, regular songs in the soundtrack. And sometimes they're just kind of slipped in. Sometimes they really fit the mood of the movie very, very well. This is uh, one of the more recent movies I, I didn't get to yet. This is from a 2001 film. Uh, just a, a great movie. I'll talk more about it when I come back after playing a little bit of this song from the movie uh, from uh, in 2001, uh, not from the 2001 movie, from a movie of that year. Listen to this. love to play that whole song for you uh it, it just got to keep going here but that is uh, gary jules singing the song mad world from the 2001 movie donnie darko this movie uh, i'd love to do a whole podcast about it it would be hard to describe but if you've never seen donnie darko you really owe it to yourself to to rent it buy it watch it it is an amazing movie one of my favorites of the last uh you know 10 years or so 
just so different, so unique. Uh, and the music, they have uh, quite a few uh, music uh, entries in here, not so much a soundtrack, like I said, but a lot of songs, I think, that are just perfectly uh, suited to the movie and fit it so well. So can't say enough good about this movie and the soundtrack to it. So check out Donnie Darko and the music to the film. song there is by a group called Tangerine Dream. It is from a movie from 1985 called Legend, uh, Ridley Scott's uh, fantasy epic film. Uh, Wonderful movie, one I really enjoy. Tom Cruise is in it. Uh, I I think he does a good job in that movie. Uh, It's a very um, just beautiful movie to watch, and the music is kind of unusual. There were actually two soundtracks for this movie. The first... uh, they did one with Jerry Goldsmith, actually, uh, you know, the composer, Star Trek, and so forth, and a uh, very famous uh, guy, and he did a, the uh, kind of a more orchestral, you know, type score, and that was only re- done for the European release. The American release, actually, was the uh, other soundtrack by Tangerine Dream that was more musical with with vocals and things like that. That's the way I originally saw the movie and got to love it, and I think the way I prefer it. You can see, I think, the movie both ways now on the DVDs that are out. You can also get both soundtracks. I actually only have the Tangerine Dream soundtrack to the film, which has got a lot of good songs on it. Uh, I'm looking at it here. Uh, There's also some music by Brian Ferry on this uh, soundtrack as well. There's a good song called Is Your Love Strong Enough? That's a song you should look up on YouTube uh, 
And again, they have a whole list of music uh, that's uh, just musical, no lyrics uh, done by Tangerine Dream on the soundtrack, along with uh, that uh, song that you just heard there by Tangerine Dream, performed by John Anderson. It's called, again, Loved by the Sun. So good movie, great uh, soundtracks, uh, a couple of them available. Uh, I listened to some of the Jerry Goldsmith one, and I just, I don't know, I just can't get used to it. Maybe it's because I saw the movie originally with the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. So as you can see, we're into older movies now, so let's play another one. There was a lot of good stuff from uh, 1985, and this, I believe, is also from the same year, a soundtrack uh, that I enjoy as well from uh, that uh, great movie year. Who out there recognize that one? That is the soundtrack to the movie Lady Hawk. Uh, yeah, that great fantasy film from 85. Rutger Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick. A uh, real fun movie. Uh, that is by Andrew Powell. He uh, composed that music for a very electronic score to a fantasy film, which I think fit very well with the movie. I, I think it uh, fits in and uh, sits, sets the mood. It's just uh, I really enjoy that movie. Love it a lot, and the soundtrack is great. Andrew Powell, who, um, to uh, fans of that era of music, Andrew Powell was uh, kind of well-known for working with uh, the Alan Parsons Project, uh, a group that I was uh, I'm a huge fan of, enjoyed all their uh, albums over the years, and uh, he worked on just about everything they did as well, except for maybe a couple of them, I think, so. Really didn't do a lot of movie music. Just did a couple uh, 
for that uh, Ladyhawk and another thing called Rocket Gibraltar. And uh, he's done, you know, he's been involved with other movies and TV projects, but those are probably the biggest as far as movies for him. So, Andrew Powell and Ladyhawk. shouldn't be too difficult that is uh the main title theme song or theme piece from uh, 1984 is the last starfighter by craig safan a uh, composer that mostly worked uh, in the 80s on a lot of uh movies in that era this is from the last starfighter he worked on fade to black major pain Remo williams he worked on uh, the tv series cheers as well uh nightmare on elm street 4 uh, stand and Deliver, uh, kind of an electronic sound, and uh, his soundtrack there to The Last Starfighter is, is one of my favorites. I've even used it for some promos for Treks in Sci-Fi, so uh, always enjoy listening to that one.
Yeah, that uh, song there is called Together in Electric Dreams. It's by Giorgio Moroto, Moroder, Moroder, oh gosh, and Philip Oakley, sorry. Uh, that is from a movie called Electric Dreams from 1984, kind of a computer uh, uh, tech movie, uh, a real sweet kind of love story movie with uh, Lenny Von Dolan as Miles and Virginia Madsen as Madeline. Uh, it shows, when you watch that movie, though, these days, it... There's this computer in it, and uh, it, it, it has to, you know, of course it looks pretty dated because computers have changed so much in the 20 or 25 years since that movie came out in uh, 1984. So, But they have some cool music on that soundtrack, even some Boy George songs and other things that I've always enjoyed. And uh, it, it's a little tricky to find that one, at least. I, I have an old uh, record album, I believe, of it, but not a CD. So anyway, Electric Dreams from 1984 and uh, some of the music from that. lot of you recognize that uh, track there. That is uh, one of the opening uh, tracks uh, from the soundtrack to the 1982 movie Conan the Barbarian. Uh, The composer here is Basil Polydorus. Is that how you say his last name? Polydorus? I think uh, Basil, uh, just an amazing composer. This soundtrack is really one of my favorites. It's so, you know, both, you know, heart-pumping, action-oriented, and powerful, and then also soft in places, too, you know, because of, uh, in scenes where they're, you know, the relationship between Conan and, uh, what's the, uh, his lady love in the name? It's been a while since I've watched this. i got to pull this movie out and watch it again. But you know who I'm talking about. Um, it's just a great uh, soundtrack, great film. Arnold's maybe his best movie, or at least one of my favorites of his. Uh, unfortunately, Basil died back in 2006, but he worked on a ton of movies. Uh, the Hunt for Red October, Starship Troopers, uh, even The Blue Lagoon. 
uh, For Love of the Game, which is a, a, a good movie. I enjoy that movie a lot about baseball. Uh, Red Dawn, he worked on the second Conan movie, this Conan the Destroyer. Uh, it, just lots of great stuff. Quigley Down Under, uh, Flight of the Intruder, uh, just a, a great set of things. But I don't know, his soundtrack to Conan uh, was just so inspiring to me. It's a great thing to play while uh, you know playing like things like World of Warcraft and all that. Very uh, powerful soundtrack, a great composer. Uh, he is definitely missed these days. Probably recognizable, that piece there. That is by Evangelis for the 1982 movie Blade Runner. Uh, he didn't really... He's a, a composer that's done a lot of interesting things. He did Chariots of Fire, Blade Runner, uh, uh, another movie called uh, 1492 Conquest of Paradise. Uh, but he's he's not done a lot of movie music, but he's very well known. He did some movie... Uh, excuse me... Uh, other kind of orchestral type of releases of his own. Uh, there's a little bit of a controversy with the Blade Runner situation. I'm going to read this from what I found online. A disagreement led to Vangelis withholding permission for his performance of the music Blade Runner to be released. And the studio hired a group of mus- musicians dubbed the New American Orchestra to record the official LP that was released at the original time. But it took about 12 years before the disagreement was resolved and Vangelis' own work was released in the United States in 1994. But the soundtrack was still incomplete as the film contained some non-Vangelis tracks as well. And this has led to some bootleg recordings over the years and things like that. So it's kind of a mixed situation out there. I've got, uh, I'm looking at my CD here that I have that uh, came out, looks like this was released in 94. So it looks like this was after this disagreement was resolved. Uh, But anyway, if you watch the movie, you can hear the music in that and really sets the mood, I think, very well for that futuristic tale with Harrison Ford, that classic sci-fi movie and the kind of very you know dystopian and sad view of the future and and it, it, the electronic uh, beat of the music that he created uh, again f- you know I think with like everything I've been playing for you the the stuff I enjoy the most really I think suits the mu- the movies the music it, it kind of blend together in a way so I'm going to kind of wrap it up there, I think. I could cover so many other things. Uh, some other later 80s things I wanted to put in were things like um, 
from Clash of the Titans, from Heavy Metal, that that music, which I may play at the end of the podcast. I may play a little track from that. Uh, what else did I want to play for you? Uh, the Neverending Story, uh, that was another good one. Krull, uh, which uh, had some James Horner music, of course. James Horner worked on The Wrath of Khan. Just all kinds of stuff. I had a lot of other things to play. But what I am going to play for you right now is a cool little bit and piece that uh, was sent in by Rick Moyer to uh, to fit into our musical uh, soundtrack uh, podcast this week. So here's Rick's take on things, and I'll be back and wrap up the show after his uh, bit here. I think this is about five minutes or so long. So listen to this, and I'll be right back.
sky from me. You will soon be landing at Westworld, the ultimate resort. We have you on Rift 5, over. It consists of three worlds of the past. Locking in now. Worlds where you can live out your every fantasy. Well, hope everyone enjoyed that uh, nice sci-fi mashup musical melody by Rick Moyer there. Uh, what Rick wanted to do for this is have a little contest. Uh, and uh, what you have to do, you'll probably have to listen to that piece again. So, you know, back up your iPods or iTunes or whatever you're listening on. Uh, listen to his uh, bit. And what we're going to do is send a CD of Rick's parody songs to the first one that emails me, treksf at gmail.com, a list in order of the different tracks that he played in that to mash up. Uh, so, in other words, go from the beginning of the piece and list them in order. There, there's quite a few. I almost was going to tell you how many, but I think I'll leave that up to you. I think you can figure it out. So, uh, just email me, treksf at gmail.com. The first email I receive to get uh, all the correct uh, order and uh, items in his mashup. Again, I will forward that information on to Rick, and he'll be in touch with you and give you a CD of all of his cool parody songs. That would be great. Uh, No expense to you. So listen to that mashup once more and write them all down and send them on in. It shouldn't be too hard. Most of those, I think, were fairly easy to get. So uh, that's it for the uh, Rick's mashup and that musical bit, and uh, for me as well. We're going to get out of here. Uh, A couple announcements. Uh, Next week's show, which I think I said earlier, we're going to do a Skype call, talk about sci-fi movies from the summer and and things that we've been enjoying in the theaters. And also on television, some cool stuff has been on uh, that, uh, you know, good shows to see on sci-fi. Sci-fi? (laughs) Sci-fi. Anyway, that's going to be recorded next weekend on Saturday, August the 22nd. We're going to do it at 2 in the afternoon, 2 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, If you want to participate in that, let me know. If you're on the forums, you know, you can put a comment in the thread we have going about that there. And also, uh, just email me if you want to join in if you're not on the forums. And if you're not, you should be. So check it all out over at treksandsci-fi.com. So that'll be next week's uh, Treks and Sci-Fi show will be a Skype call. And then the week after that will be that special show uh, by Mike on the forums about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So that's what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi, everyone. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this special music podcast. I had a lot of fun. I'm probably going to have to do another one of these sometime. I, I left out so many cool uh, tracks and, and, and just there's so much out there. Movie music and TV music, everything is always so good. Maybe next time, since I stuck to movies this time primarily, maybe next time I'll do more television stuff, uh, sci-fi and fantasy and that. So we'll see. Uh, Tell me what you think about this show. I I really appreciate comments. Emails are always great to get. So that's it. Bye, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Visit the website to learn more and distribute this podcast to all your friends. of the girlfriend of Conan the Barbarian in the movie, Valeria.